0: Recently, I was invited to speak at a non-profit event about public relations. During one of the breaks, I got caught up in conversation with Judy. After exchanging pleasantries, we began talking about what really motivates us. She shared with me what had always been her first love, even before high school.
1: My passion actually started long before high school. My grandmother was a pastry chef, and I was making cakes and bread when I was old enough to push the stool up to the counter. So what did you become? I became a a baker and cake decorator and loved it, absolutely loved it. It was was 100% my passion, yes.
0: Judy was one of the lucky people who knew at an early age what she wanted to do and was able to do it and make a decent living from it. She made that living for 10 years and was pretty happy.
1: Um, professionally, um, from about 1986 to um, the 96 was professional. Um, prior to that, I mean, like I said, since I was like five years old. And what happened? <laughs> um, a large uh, company came in and uh, basically took over all of the big box stores by making everything either pre-mixed, pre-made or frozen. And you no longer needed to have the passion or the um, s- the baking science to be a good journeyman baker um, because anyone could take something out of a box frozen and put it on a pan so they could bring people in green that had no um, journeyman knowledge to just bake off it whatever they needed. Um, unfortunately, these products uh, are... Exactly what you would expect them to be with premix, pre-made, and frozen. They were completely flavorless. Yeah. And um, standardized and cardboardy.
0: <laughs> this new approach, however flavorless, proved a business success. Journeyman bakers like Judy were pushed out of business. Success wasn't about quality; it was about price and process.
1: I've always referred to the baking as the second oldest profession. Was something that I thought well, I would have job security in for the rest of my life. Um, I mean, that, you know, there was always the saying that you'll always need bread, right? But um, it, it, uh, it basically destroyed the industry.
0: Judy eventually realized she had to give up her dream career and find something else. She now works in the nonprofit sector, tapping into another part of her personality involving being a humanitarian and she loves the work she does today, having learned to adapt. But there's still a part of her that misses what it feels she was almost meant to do.
1: That's always been a bit of a sorrow that's that's been in my soul. Um, just not being able to live in my passion, um, finding other things that I can do well and, and, and enjoy, but not being able to live in what I believe is my purpose and, and my passion has always been a sorrow in my soul.
0: In the public relations and marketing fields, there's a different pre-mix, pre-made or frozen solution that's becoming more daunting, artificial intelligence. And while AI is obviously already here, the speed at which new tools are being developed and implemented is remarkable. A new study available through the Chartered Institute of Public Relations examines what's really happening, where our industry might be going. Whatever your current role, it's going to change. And it won't be a piece of cake. My name is Doug Downs. My guest this week is Stephen Waddington, joining us today from the London area of the UK. Hello, Stephen.
2: Hey, Doug. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Although, you know, many of my, many of my friends and colleagues have uh, been interviewed you uh, by you. I've, I've, I'm, this is my debut.
0: I, excellent. I know Anne Gregory, for sure. She's been on twice. Who else uh, that you can think of? Jean Valin, maybe?
2: Jean Valin. Have you had Jim McNamara on here? Not yet, but that's a good tip. It's a good you tip. Need, you need him.
0: So London is big and wide. Um, what part of, of the London area are, are you uh,
2: checking in with us today from? So um, I'm actually on a houseboat on the river. Um, so on the Thames. About ten, 10 years ago, my wife and I bought a, a houseboat that we converted, and it became our office and the place where we stay in um, in uh, in London when we're working in London. And actually, our Family House is about 250 miles north up in the north of England, a place called Newcastle.
0: Of course, yes. make some great brown ale up there in Newcastle, <laughs> but uh, I'm envious. Uh, houseboat on the Thames, that's fantastic. Stephen, the, um, the name of the report is Artificial Intelligence Tools and the impact on public relations practice. Generally, yeah. there's the idea that AI is not new. It's been creeping into our work day by day. But as our friend and Gregory puts it, maybe as PR practitioners, we've kind of been sleepwalking a little bit. Do you agree?
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree, Doug. So, um, it- our only awareness of it really has come, I think, in the last 10 years, where it's become a, an, an algorithm, has become a reputational issue, and has maybe um, destroyed value within a, an organization. Um, uh, and then it has pricked the consciousness of the public relations practitioner as an area of risk. I think the notion that we would apply it to our own area of practice is, is something that hasn't really been considered up until very, very recently.
0: Hmm. Okay. You examined the data set provided by Chief Martech. I hope I'm yeah. saying that correctly.
2: Spawn.
0: Looking at how many AI tools there there currently are yeah. uh, for public relations and marketing. Yeah. You found a lot of them. There, there This is not new. <laughs> yeah, we did. So Scott
2: Brinkler uh, is, is actually a VP at HubSpot now. He's been running this database for 15 years, Chief Martech database. And it's an open source database. You can, any vendor, anyone, any practitioner working in the marketing PR comms broadly media space can submit tools. And over that time, he's gathered 10,000, a database of 10,000 tools from around the world. He very kindly uh, opened that up to us uh, and gave us access to it. And one of the things he's done, he's done a really good job at, at tagging and, and creating a sort of uh, a tautology, of an index for it. And so, Andrew Smith and myself, in writing this report in the middle of last year, went through this database and looked at the tools that could ostensibly be applied to public relations. And many already are, you know, media databases, monitorings, um, you know, social media content management, that sort of thing. And, yeah, we found 6,000. Now, we dug into those 6,000. And discovered there's probably about two percent of them actually applied any degree of machine learning uh, and AI, uh, and we did that work. We got until to we were ready to publish that in in October, uh, and then GPT <laughs> happened and mm-hmm. GPT chat was launched, uh, and uh, and we pulled it. We pulled the report and, and you know and, and followed what's happened over the last six months
0: so some of these other tools that we would be familiar, familiar with anything like a, a a CRM tool uh i guess hubspot um all of these different tools that we do play with i use basecamp yeah um tools like this all examples of the existing
2: yeah there's sort of two classes there's there's, there's tools that have been built within the public relations industry so you know media databases press release distribution um and so forth I guess the oldest examples of of technology applied to public relations and then you've got a whole class of monitoring and evaluation tools as well Um, you know that is a very well established market Mm -hmm. quite mature market and then you've got I guess what's developed over the last 10 years is this subset outside the market of public relations that we then brought into practice and this is you know relates to To everything, really, from you know, tools that we might apply to our own workflow, like timesheet management and project management, through to you know, more sophisticated monitoring technologies. Chat GPT 3,
0: I guess. Um, I must have missed Chat GPT 1 and 2. Um, I'm (laughs) were there actually, sorry, I'm I'm naive. Were there renditions of Chat GPT?
2: Yeah, they were. What happened with Chat GPT? Three was uh, OpenAI um, made it available via a command prompt in a web browser, mm-hmm. and suddenly anybody with access to the internet—it uh, was one of those moments. Um, anyone with access to the internet could in- access this tool that hadn't been possible before, and so it was completely open. Mm-hmm. And you saw this incredible growth. Um, you know, you know. Within within a week, a million users. Uh, within a, you know by January, a billion users. Uh, and and so you know it was the accessibility that really made the big 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 difference. So GPT three
0: comes out, and the date is like stamped in PR and marketing lore. Now November thirtieth, twenty twenty two, yeah, really steals all the headlines. Lots more tools existing. I sleepwalked if that's the right term through gpt one and two i i honestly did i had not heard of it what are these other tools and and why was gpt3 this ah turning point for ai uh and how is that going to impact pr and marketing
2: So, so unpack that uh if we unpack that question so the first point why was it a turning point because of the simplicity of being able to access and use the tool. Mm. Also, OpenAI, the company behind the GPT-3 dataset, made that available um, publicly um, via the web and, and, and as an API. So the moment that happened, two things happened. You and I were able to go onto the Open, uh, OpenAI website and use chat GPT-3 and also other tools like playground that it, it made available at very low cost and then also they made the API available which other vendors were then able to incorporate in their ex- existing tools so you know you've got you've got um tools that we've been using for a while like Grammarly that suddenly have and our AI functionality brought in because they brought the GPT three dataset into that. We had the announcement last week from Microsoft that it's incorporating incorporating this GPT three uh, API into its um, into its office suite of products. Microsoft's a big investor in in, in Open AI, um, so that that that's the change. Um, um, you know, there's been a, <laughs> there's been there was sort of this first wave, as you said, that date stamped in our mind, um, when GPT three initially lo- was launched by by OpenAI. But there's been a second wave since then, um, created by GPT four, four, yes, um, which was launched yeah the week before last. So you know, where are we? Early March. Um, it was launched GPT three based on a data set of 17 gigabytes roughly so that's books websites wikipedia gpt4 much larger data set 400 uh, sorry 45 gigabytes um so you know that there's there's already been that tripling of of the data set and you know gpt5 you won't be surprised is in development and being trained and you know is open ai says it will be released in the middle of 2024 Hmm. um we talk specifically about okay where are these applications going in in public relations there's sort of four areas that I've seen there's the open the browser uh, point it at chat GPT and use it to to create text and images um, you know and, and idea generation it's it's um okay for creating the first draft of something but you know frequently makes some mistakes and will hallucinate um actually jean valand used that word i think it's a very good word that it will you know it will get it will start making stuff up and you've got to be really very careful of that second category i think slightly more useful is is editing and summarization so if you've got a large chunk of text and you think about you know research papers if you think about it, you've written a 5000 word white paper maybe you can use um editing and summarization tools then to to cut that down to size to make a 400 word version to make a powerpoint to make a short report or transcript you know you could use it as the basis of a press release then you could use things like chatbots, create that into a database itself, which then can be interrogated using a chatbot. You know, that's kind of novel and, and interesting there because the original data set is your own data set. It's a piece of content that you've created. You know, it's not going to make mistakes. And the other categories that we're only really beginning to explore, are, you know, the use for evaluation. There's a lot of interest in the measurement and evaluation community of of using um, ChatBee GPT to query Um, earned content well any form of content and you know um, ask questions of it Uh, and then finally planning and decision making so you've got a data set you use um, you use not specifically chat gpt but other artificial intelligence tools to spot trends and patterns in that data set that then can help you with planning decision making and ultimately i think you know that's potentially the really interesting area because you've got the opportunity then to you know to actually create new knowledge is there to you do you think there
0: is a new niche discipline within the practice that's emerging whereas there are some who have social media expertise Um, right now we're seeing um experts that have pr and marketing skills that niche to um, uh, web 3.0 which is simply attached to blockchain is there a niche skill where where pr practitioners have maybe it's a computer science skill or or maybe it's simply experience with the interfaces that will allow us to use these tools
2: absolutely so um i've likened this to um you know well i started my career in public relations in the 90s i think we're of a similar vintage right Uh, yes (laughs) would that be rude (laughs) um but um you know there was that great explosion uh in the 90s where we discovered the internet and email and web and that created this whole opportunity for people who understood how to you know to start to build websites and build communities around the web and then that happened again in the the um you know um early part of the 21st century so 2005 to 2010 when there was that huge explosion around social forms of media and this new emergent area of practice developed and you know called cool social media and you know this is still very point now exactly the same i think is going to happen here in that um you know there are already um, practitioners who are leaning into these tools and exploring them um with anger and you know how they might use to be used in in practice, mm-hmm. and I think that that you know creates for those practitioners that are prepared to lean into this this that, that same level of opportunity. You know, it's why I'm so excited by this because because you know I want to future proof the rest of my career to make sure you know that, that I stay relevant and current. Yeah, so it's, it's the other point related to computer so interesting you say computer science there, um, you know it. it we were very quick to abstract or you know uh um assign human character to to machines actually you know it's really important to remember that you know these are machines and we're instructing them uh, and programming and coding them and so yes you have seen already this um conversation about you know, the skills required to engage the machine as a stakeholder and code it, program it, get the best performance out of it, um, um, you know, through the command line prompts. Um, and so, yeah, I think the New York Times, World Economic Forum have said the job of 2023 is the prompt engineer. Hmm.
0: I see a whole slew of email invitations to master classes <laughs> on how to harness these tools in the future, but uh, that, probably that's, sent that's by AI machine learning. Right. Hammering me, right. via It'll LinkedIn. Ca- catch my eye. Yeah. There was a, there was a phrase in your report and I don't think AI could write this. The phrase was a word is known by the company it keeps. Right. I literally had to put my finger on the page and put the report down for ten minutes while I wrap my head around that. A word right. is known by the company it keeps. What does that mean?
2: So, um, the think about how artificial intelligence works and how machines work. They, you know, they work by understanding patterns, understanding words, um, and so you know we've. Talked about um, the the huge volumes of data: 17 gigabytes for Chat GPT three, 45 gigabytes for GPT four. You know, huge data sets of books, websites, and Wikipedia that have been crawled. And so, you know, what the machines have done in crawling those that, all that content is understand how one word fits within, and you know, the context of. Another word uh, fits within a phrase, you know, and build it, build up, built up on ontologies of, of, you know, words related to topics, subjects, and and so forth, uh, and then when you make a query of the um, the tools. Um, you know, we we're using Chat G T B T three as an example, but you know, of course we are because it's it's so accessible. You know, all you are doing is asking it to um all it is doing, sorry, is providing, you know, um what it thinks is the most likely um, output based on you know the words phrases that, that you've used so very good example i used very early on you know testing the veracity um, and accuracy of these tools and one great fear is that they can create huge volumes of information but is it accurate actually accurate you know so i asked it to write a biography of myself for a, a speaking event and it got the first paragraph absolutely spot on but you know no surprise it put, almost certainly pulled it from wikipedia um you know the second paragraph and the third paragraph it went off completely poor jean valand did it and you know it it, it wrote his obituary <laughs> so, You know it, they very quickly can go off and get it completely wrong because they're based on you know understanding the structure of words within a, a, a topic
0: Stephen, thank you. Uh, it took a bit to, to uh, took a while to get you on the podcast, but I really appreciate this, and I'd love to have you back. Thanks for your time today. I d- do you know
2: what? We should do this in another three months to see what we've got for to... GPT-5.
0: Or, well, GPT five. Well, I guess that's well, a bit further GPT-5 out. GPT yeah. five
2: will be the middle of next year. Yeah. But honestly, the, the 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 tool project we did with the C O P R was an education in itself because you know we got to we got thought. We delivered a report, and you know the the innovation in the last six months has just been incredible.
0: If you'd like to send a message to my guest, Stephen Waddington, you can email him. The address is in the show notes, and do uh, click on the report. There's a link to that. It is a, a fascinating, not an overly long read, um, but but absolutely fascinating. Stories and Strategies is a co-production of JGR Communications and Stories and Strategies podcasts. If you like this episode, do us a favor, share it with one friend. Thanks for listening.